Hey, everybody. Welcome to another exciting episode of The Tennis Tragic. Uh, me, Matt, and Alex are now in the same time zone for the first time in quite some while. Quite some while. That's not English. Uh, it's 9.30 p.m. It's September 23rd, 2019. Uh, there's been a lot of tennis. There continues to be a lot of tennis. Uh, the U.S. Open ended a few weeks ago. Um, seems like an eternity. Bianca Andreescu won her first ever Grand Slam, predicted here on the Tennis Tragic. Uh, Rafa Nadal won his seventh Grand Slam that wasn't at Roland Garros. Um, <laughs> that's as much of a sledge as I can come up with, basically. Um, and because he's amazing. And uh, defeating Daniil Medvedev, who just uh, in the past 24 hours also won a title in St. Petersburg. Yeah. Uh, we were just talking about WTA Wuhan. There's so much going on. Where do we even begin, you guys? How are you doing this evening? Uh, good. I think we begin with um, our intro because, you know, we've, we've been, we, we don't have any music for our intro and Alex has been tasked with making us some intro music for the podcast. How's that happening, Alex? How's that coming along? It's, it's not going very well, as you can tell by the, <laughs> as you can tell by the cold open into, into you know, monologue. Uh, yeah, we haven't got there yet. I haven't got there yet. Uh, I need to set some time aside and do that. We just give. Uh, maybe we just do go it. Ahead. Maybe maybe we just give um, David a bit of you know a bit of help there. He does such a good job with his nice and uh, nice um nicely rounded um, bass tone tonal voice <laughs> there. Where, with the Am- I like the American accent. I must say, it's, to me, it's kind of exotic. Yeah, it sounds like you've you. always hosted a podcast. To be honest. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, we've got a little international flavor here. I was talking to a friend who does theater here in Melbourne this week, and she was like, you should try out. You'll get roles automatically because you've already got the accent. Is it, is it, that, is it that straightforward? <laughs> I've never acted before. I think you'd be great. It. You'd be great. Um, but, right. guys, I've been working on just some, some little uh, intros. Um, oh, you've like, got something. Yeah, it goes like this. It goes... <laughs> Ooh, the Tennis Tragic Podcast. <laughs> All right. Um, but then start. I thought I like maybe it's it, not tragic enough, so maybe we need to do like... <laughs> do, 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 tennis Tragic. <laughs> like a bit more this is some like, like classic when a soap opera in the 90s comes back from a commercial break. Like... <laughs> <laughs> I kind of like the more upbeat version because um, I like, you know, that one? yeah, yeah, Podcast. yeah. I mean, you know, I think I, we could play with that, you know, there's like the tension between some really like sweet, poppy, upbeat sounds. And then, you know, the, the kind of existential sadness of being a really hardcore tennis fan. <laughs> yeah. And then Alex has some, some uh, music from his old band brackets. So he was like offering to. Just, oh yeah, I have. That was just kind of. I haven't like checked it out yet. Offering up an option in lieu of me not having created anything new yet. Maybe we can fit that in somewhere. I haven't listened to either. Yeah, again. I just haven't checked it out. But we should. Uh, yeah, we should check it out. I don't know. Maybe we'll find something. I mean, I've been promising graphic design logo for who knows how long. And let's just face it, I haven't gotten around to it. Yeah. yeah. But we're here. Yeah, yeah. We're here doing the podcast. Uh, That's all that really tennis. should matter to our hardcore fans. <laughs> yeah, there's like thirty listeners according no to the stats. No way! Like that. It can't be thirty. <laughs> Who are you, people? I mean, <laughs> I mean, I have at least thirty friends. So we some could of do them have personalized listened. intros at this point. Still, you know. Yeah, we could be You're like, right, like. Let's go through hey, the list. Hey, Matt. Hey, Liz. Yeah. yeah. Hey, hey, Martina. <laughs> yeah. Go on, guys. I'm sure you've got a few people to add in there. You took on mine. <laughs> uh. <laughs> hey, Steve. I mean, I I was talking with a couple friends of mine about, about having them on as guests, and then I just left them hanging, and I never brought it up with you guys. Uh, yeah. But how do you guys feel about having some guest podcasters? Uh, we should some have point? some guests on the show, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, definitely. All right. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, 
one of these days. It's hard <laughs> enough to get all three of us in a room. So. It's true. <laughs> but now that we're in the t- same time zone, I'm back in Australia. Um, we just got tickets to the ATP Cup. We yeah, did. Excited excited. About that. We're going to Brisbane. We're going to go on a podcast road trip to Brisbane. <laughs> yeah, we're definitely going to be making some up there as well. It's going to be funny. Yeah, we should do some do some live streaming. Yes. Yeah, um, all of the face, all Facebook of the Live. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Instagram stories. He's about to say, "Oh, he's." We- <laughs> Are you going to live commentate? <laughs> well, I'm in awe of the people who do radio commentary, and they're like cross court backhand, then to this, and then to that, and uh, you know, like I find it too hard to sh- picture. I can't. I can't. I, I don't know. I don't. I find it hard to follow the play when they're talking so quickly and picture what's actually happening in my head. Yeah, me too. But sometimes it's the only option you've got. If like, because you know, if you don't have a free yeah. stream, then like no. there is a free radio stream, and at least you can get that much. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, radio tennis on the radio doesn't really make any sense to me. No. Uh, Cricket on the radio is very good. Yeah, it's very good. You can you can just you can watch that as a you can listen to that as a preference over watching TV almost. Mm, I agree with you, Alex. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's that's a lot like baseball, which is you know basically a superior version of cricket. If you haven't, if you haven't uh, <laughs> heard of it, <laughs> this is where the the podcast goes down <laughs> in flames, <laughs> where the division is first sewed. Yeah, uh, like point too. to this moment. I think, but yeah, the, I think the game has to have a, a relaxed enough pace. You know, the thing about baseball is just there's there's a lot of time. You know, in between every pitch. You know, yeah, um, yeah. and not that much. Re- I mean, a lot can happen when the ball is put into play. But um, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's there's good. not there's not like a really a rally during a baseball game. There's like right the play happens fairly quickly, and then yeah, you just but, explain it. Yeah. Well, um, now that we've covered our favorite sports <laughs> Listen to on, the on the radio, radio. <laughs> I mean, so yeah. So are we going to sit in the stands at, uh, in Brisbane? We're, what are we going to see? We're going to see Serbia versus France. Yeah. That's um, going to be great. I think so. We'll, we'll bring some, yeah, that could be a really great matchup. Yeah. Uh, you know, Dusan Lajevic and Luka Puy, uh, get ready. Is it Puy um, or Pear? I I don't know. Well, it's oh, you're right. It's Pear and Monfils are the top two guys, but I think the teams actually have more players. So I still don't really know what the format of the ATP Cup is. (laughs) They have to have at least least three, three. and there's Ah. uh, two singles and one doubles match. Uh, Yeah, Um, and you have Ah. to have at least three on the team. We were we were observing like how. you know, like uh, Greece has Stefano Tsitsipas and then like some completely unknown person yes, <laughs> as the number two. Because they do the um, the entries on the, your, your number one singles player and that's it. Then you might only have one player in the top 100 and your second player might be um, quite an obscure player that no one's heard of and is ranked pretty lowly. Yeah. Like George's yeah, uh, second we- player has like... They've got Bashilashvili, who's highly ranked, but then their second player, I can't even remember his name. Yeah, that would be a good trivia question. Um, do you know his name, Alex? I've got uh, it up on, on the screen here. Uh, so Alexandra Metravelli is, uh, is the number two Georgian. And then for Greece, we have Mikhail Povolarakis. 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 So, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll have to consult with our... Um, our pronunciation guide. Uh, Pervo Larakis is currently 362 in the world, and Metrovelli is 698. Oof. Yeah, George is kind of fucked. Far out. <laughs> wow. What a thrill for that guy, though, you know. Yeah, totally. Ranked 690. Yeah. What group the are they in? I'm going to look it up. I mean, okay, so this, though, I kind of wonder if the 362 ranked man in the world for Greece is actually a better player than Maria Sakari. They should just go with their their top ranked woman. I mean, okay, we were I mean we were talking about this offline as well, and I think uh, 
we're big in favor of mixed events like this. Mm -hmm. So I'm really pumped about the ATP cup. I think it could be a lot of fun. I love the fact that it's spread out in the country. Like we could, we could have also have gone to Perth. Uh, we happen to be going to Brisbane and, uh, the final, like the final rounds are all in Sydney as well. So, um, where you guys live. So I'll be flying back with you and we'll, we'll go check out those rounds. We got, we got some tickets there. I think for the semis, we're going like all of semi, uh, Saturday, which is going to be awesome. Yeah. But yeah, like this, this whole event, this event trumped the, uh, Hopman cup which, you know, I didn't really pay much attention to when I, before I started living in Australia, but the Hopman Cup was The Hopman excellent. Cup was, was a just, great event, yeah. Yeah. Men and women playing together. They had the mixed doubles. Um, yeah, I, I love that. I, I don't like all boys. It's like it reminds me of going to an all boys high school. Why? I, w- I went to an all boys high school. <laughs> it's not natural. It's not, it's, not a, it's, it's, it's bad. We should all be together. Yeah, exactly. And uh, the women's game is spectacular. Yeah, there's and so many so, great players you know, I'd rather, And uh, yeah, and that like for a lot of these teams, like the top female players for the, the countries are pretty amazing. And yeah, instead we're going to have these like weird mixes. Like a team like France, France has so many great players on the men's side, you know, even if, you know, uh, Benoit Pair pulls out. Like there's a pretty good bench for them yeah. to pull from. But, uh, but yeah, Joe Wilfred Songer just won one-sided. another tournament. He just won Mets, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, he won Mets for the fourth time. Wow. Yeah, he he is a French indoor hardcourt specialist. As long as those indoor hardcourts are in France, also. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. he won Montpellier um, earlier this season too, and that's I think that's his only other did. title this year. So French indoor Montpellier, the start of the year, and now he's backed it up in Mets with another French indoor hardcore. <laughs> That's Very amazing. Good. Well, I'm glad he's found a way to extend his career since he's gone blonde. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, good for Joe Willie. That's awesome. Uh, apparently, like I was reading about that tournament, and uh, it's almost exclusively French people who have who have won it. Um, so mm. it's very much a, par- a parochial thing. Mm. And of course, you know, Medvedev winning in St. Petersburg was really interesting because that was his fifth consecutive final, which is <laughs> l- just ludicrous. You know, I mean, he lost twice to Rafa and he lost once to Kyrgios yeah, wow. uh, in Washington, but Did he win uh, Brisbane that guy is cleaning well? up. Um, I think he's uh. won maybe five tournaments this year. I mean, he's, He's now the number four player in the world, yeah. and I can't imagine he's too far off from Federer, um, just considering the amount that he's played. Yeah, totally. Um, I'm look that up, actually. Yeah. Um, so I was also so you know I I turned on Wuhan earlier tonight. I was like you know getting my tennis channel feed fired up, and uh, yeah, caught like you know a little bit of this. Uh, Angie Kerber, Monica Puig matchup, which we were talking about just before we got on this call. And like, that was the gold medal match in the Olympics where oh. Monica Puig won the only gold medal in the history of Puerto Rican Olympic, uh, you know, uh, participation, which is actually kind of surprising, you know? Yeah. I mean, Puerto Rico is ostensibly part of the United States, but it competes in the Olympics on its own. Still, they've ha- they've produced great athletes before and it's, Amazing that that was the first time that's ever happened. But Monica Puig hasn't done much. She's no longer wearing LS. Uh, I don't know what happened with the LS sponsorships. What, but, um, what garment manufacturer is she sporting now? <laughs> uh, I knew you would be all about this, Matt. And uh, it was, um, oh, fuck, I can't remember. Oh, it was Yonex. Oh, Yonex. Which so. is like... One of those yeah. racket and, actually, and garment crossovers. Yeah, like right. Marinka. And Leighton Hewitt used to wear Yonex too. Later in his career, yeah, Early I mean, he was Nike. She was she was looking she was looking pretty sporting. Uh, you know, I think uh, Yonex was delivering the goods. So yeah, I don't, uh, and I don't Monica Puig won again. Monica Puig, good, good. She beat everyone can beat Kerber though at the moment. She's not doing so well. Mm. I thought she had a good run recently. Uh, like, was it in Osaka? She won a few matches. Right. Osaka was won by Osaka. 
Osaka was won by Osaka, which is a good thing because if Pavlchenkova had won it, they would have had to rename the city. <laughs> that's, that's part of the deal. She has to just defend it every year, otherwise it goes. Defending the honor of the city. The, yeah, Osaka. That's playing. right. <laughs> playing for Osaka. I mean, I, I think it, it's you know it's good when players are you know they have something to play for. Uh, Osaka. I, I just googled it. Osaka says, "I just wanted to win this really bad." <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Uh, it was good. Um, it was a good comeback after a disappointing U.S. Open for Naomi Osaka. Yeah, and she beat some good players in that uh, in that run. I mean, Pavlchenkova hasn't uh, hasn't been all that hot lately, but she ran to the final. And Osaka also took out uh, Lise Mertens, uh, Yulia Putintseva. So yeah, it was a really good good home tournament for her, hmm. um, defending the honor of her country. Um, Another Japanese woman and- did really well in that tournament, Misaki Doi. She made the Yeah, game. you're a big Doi fan. I am. I've become a Doi fan after I watched her um, play the final of Hiroshima the previous week. Um, mm. She won against Nao Hibino. Oh, no, she, sorry. She lost the final against Nao Hibino, but then she combined with her to win the doubles. Um, so she was in two right. finals on one day. And then in, then in Osaka, she, she made the quarters, um, and then her and Hibino again, made the semis in the double. So she's been playing well across both formats. Mm. She's a good, she's yeah, an all-court yeah. player too. She runs around, she comes to the net. She's, whereas Hibino, I didn't like her as much because she's just like more of a baseliner. Okay. Yeah, yeah apparently Misaki Doi has, uh, has gotten as high as number 30 in the world. But uh, yeah, what a what an Asian swing for her, um, winning the double and having that nice run. In uh, in Osaka as well. I just it, part of so when I was when I turned on Wuhan before I I was asking myself like how big of a tournament is this? Like I feel like the WTA has a a little bit of a problem where they don't they don't clearly tell you how um, like how much the events are worth or at mm-hmm. least not it's not it doesn't have the same clarity <clears throat> as on the men's side. Like the men's side, they're always talking you know Masters are a thousand, there's five hundreds, two fifties. Um, for some reason in the WTA, they're all premiers. They're not like, all of them. There's, there's because pre- there's internationals as well, which is the lower tier. Well, there's, yeah, well, right. But the, the premiers, I guess, kind of run the gamut from the master's level down to like the 500. So you have the premier mandatory. And then this is another like weird distinction that they have. They have the premier mandatory, which is like Miami, Indian Wells, and a couple others. And then they have premier, fi- the premier five which are worth 900 points instead of 1,000 points. Hmm. Um, so anyway, like they're just making it unnecessarily confusing. But this event, uh, Wuhan, yes. um, which I could not tell you where it is on the map, is a premier five event. So it's actually worth a ton of points. And most of the top women in the game are there. Yes. Um, no- notably absent, though, are Serena and uh, Andreescu. Mm. Um, I was uh, like really hoping to see Andreescu play again soon since she hasn't lost a match since March or <laughs> something absurd. Yeah, yeah. She's having a break. Um, she's on too, too busy doing Letterman and stuff like that. Yeah. She's been doing the press circuit, hasn't she? Yeah. I watched her on uh, like, uh, what is it? Jimmy Fallon. I don't even know. I like never watched these late night shows. I think they're all a bunch of goobers. Um, <laughs> but, but like, it's just like, oh my god! I'm watching like this 19 year old girl like chat with this talk show host about absolutely nothing. You know, it's uh, a little bit soul crushing for me personally. But I still, I just, I'm a big Andreescu fan. I want to see her back on the court. I don't know if she's going to play again this year, but she's like totally in the mix for number one. Like year end number one is actually attainable for her. Is, is, is it possible? Uh, I thought so. Uh, I thought that the like. Uh, the spread between her and uh, who's at the top right now? Ash Barty is number one right now. No, no, but Pliskova just overtook her by a few points. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, so it's it's like Pliskova and Barty are the two most likely to be year-end number ones. Yeah, yeah I mean, but, you know, Bianca, Bianca would have to play these tournaments. But yeah, just according to points, like hmm. Barty's at 54-77 and Bianca is at 47-27. So, you know, 
had she played Wuhan, I guess uh, uh, Naomi Osaka is also not playing Wuhan, which is interesting. So I guess it's not a premier mandatory, so they can't force them to do anything. Now look at this. this is, these are the points. These are the latest points. Um, Ash Barty and Karolina Pliskova are, are about 6,100 points. And Naomi Osaka's mm. at 5,000 points and Andreescu's at 4,800 points. In between those guys, you've got Svitolina at 5,100. Where's Halep? Uh, down to number six, just below Andreescu at 4,800. Yeah, just. Oh, okay. I found some weird live WTA race page that will probably let me bet on something, but... Uh, Oh, the, the, the race. Oh, the race. So that's for um, that's just for the calendar year. That's going to hit. Yeah, that. just to see who's calendar year number one. And so Barty and Pushkova have qualified, and Halep is yep. next, then Andreescu, then Osaka, and Serena Williams, and Petra Kvitova, and Belinda Benchik is number eight in the number eight position. Because the top eight go through, don't they, for the final series? Yeah, I think it's just like on the men's side. Is the men's uh, year-end final still in London? Is this the last year? Is it the last one? And then did they move it? Then it's Milan, isn't it? Is that where it's going? I think there might be a couple more in London. Or maybe yeah, I think it might be as well. Um, but yeah, then it's yeah. West City. Is it Milan? It's somewhere in Italy. I think so. Let's have a look. Oh, Turin. So, um, Oh, Turin, right. Yeah, which is seems like kind of a random location. Mm. But uh, I guess Italian tennis has had a bit of a renaissance. Yeah. And, you know, they've had the, the events. Uh, the, the Milan event has been uh, the next-gen finals. Oh, that's right. Um, which is pretty cool. So um, although they do all this weird format messing around at that event. I'm always so – I'm, like, usually pretty turned out by that by the year-end events like it's just yeah as crazy as i am about tennis it's like 11 months of this shit yeah <laughs> i just kind of lose my focus at a certain point yeah i have a couple of dips uh, usually after the slams like i've had a dip over the last few weeks i haven't been up on these on the asian swings really or it's only it's only the women's that are in the asian in asia at the moment the rest of it, i guess is still in europe but yeah. Yeah, and the and the Labor Cup just happened. You were watching some of that, Alex, right? Yeah, we watched a couple couple matches in that. I I actually really enjoyed it. It's the first time I've watched it. I guess last year in Chicago, timing was a bit awkward, but this time was perfect, and um, I really enjoyed it. It was cool. Um, this is really really interesting to see them coaching each other, especially Rafa and Federer. Rafa, oh, yeah, yeah. Rafa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The conversations yeah. between them are pretty fun, hey. Like yeah. seeing seeing Rafa tell Roger what he should be doing and Roger actually listening. Like that's what I really liked about the um, – because, <laughs> yeah, yeah like, that's what I really liked about it. They seem to be all friendly with each other, which is nice to see. Listening. Yeah, there's like a genuine camaraderie. And it's just so – like tennis is so individual and you just – get the impression that, you know, I mean, these guys, they are literally out for themselves. I mean, every match there's money and points on the line uh, for the most part. So, uh, you know, I, I was aware that Labor Cup was happening and I didn't watch until the final day because um, I think it just doesn't really feel that important to me. You know, they're trying to make it into this like really big event. And I think they, you know, after I flipped it on, I remembered Oh, they absolutely crush it with like the aesthetics, mm. and you know, even though they're it's a moving location, they do they have this like matte gray court, and uh, you know the players are wearing their colors. Yes, uh, and, um, blue they for do the, Europe uh, and red for the world team. Yeah, because the world is communist, um, and uh, and they just and they do the the stadium lighting thing where which I I've noticed it's a couple other like indoor events where they you know they light the court and then they darken everything else yeah like they don't like the stands. we were talking and Alex and I were talking about this good though, look. and we think that they 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 put some filter on the television um, too mm. much like they really bring up the blues and reds for the players shirts but then just everything else is gray everything is black mm. and, and and has no tone to it. Hmm. 
Yeah, it just yeah, looks a bit I don't know, like really artificial. Really artificial. Like they've just gone so hard in the filter that it just feels a bit like I don't know, a bit jarring almost. I think they would have got a similar effect without going so hard. But it's, I mean, I really like the the black court, the gray court though. It's real. It's a really nice aesthetic. Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah, I. It just seems like like it's very to me. It's very striking. Like mm. it it looks unlike all the other courts and i like i kind of want i was watching the tennis channel and they were just airing some some kind of weird recap show where they basically just like gave a you know 15 second recap of every fi- like atp final event that happened all year so you get to like watching it you would see all the different courts and the kind of the color schemes hey i watched and, that too oh you saw that okay i just yeah. started to watch it i didn't uh, finish it yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> it's a lot of freaking events. You're like, where did B- Basilashvili defended his title? Where? Um, yeah, Munich. But uh, yeah. Munich. Yeah. <laughs> you, <laughs> you go, Basilashvili. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, I think I think that stuff does really matter, and it's like for, for I think one of the things is for a casual fan when you're just like flipping the channels in this hypothetical environment where you know, like the labor cup is on TV, like alongside everything else, you know, like you might stop just because it, it looks so, so striking, so arresting. Um, and I've noticed also they, they, there's some subtle things about the presentation that were really catching my eye. Like, uh, so I only, so I only watched the doubles match. It was uh, Federer and Tsitsipas against, uh, you know, all American duo, uh, Isner and Sock. And there was like a point, there was this point, you know, with a lot of like action at the net and Federer puts this, this ball away and it felt like, you know, so they show this, this slow motion replay from, it seems like a ball boys position, you know, it was just like right on the court and like you could see Isner like reaching, lunging for the ball, but not quite getting there. And it was just like a really, really cool angle to see the match from. Hmm. And, uh, you know, as since you guys watch a little bit too much tennis like I do like you know sometimes you turn on like one of these lower level events and it seems like somebody just like set up like a GoPro and yeah. just like pointed it directly like down at the court and you can't see shit yeah. like, uh, it really matters you know like yeah, it's I, cool to see it done right I end up changing and going to find another court or another tournament when I see a camera angle like that so yeah you're right it does really change how you how you feel about it Do you ever just watch so, the um, <laughs> when there's a rain delay? Do you ever just yes. like watch the rain falling on the empty court with the covers on it? <laughs> yes, yeah, I've done right. that for way too long. Once <laughs> you, so you can see the people with the umbrellas, like the random official walking. Some people huddled, huddled in the crowd, but mostly there's no one there. And I just yeah. think it's a very beautiful and empty court with rain on it, and no one watching. No one watching. You know, it's it's poetry. Yeah, yeah and it's like they're. They're keeping the feed running, but it's not <laughs> clear that they're supposed to be. This is a glitch in the system that I'm privy to. This is this is good. Yeah, I hope they never close the that little glitch there. Yeah. because um, then you see someone come Some, out and take the cover off eventually, maybe start drying it, then it might start raining again. You're like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> get the cover back on, buddy. <laughs> I wonder if there's like a YouTube channel that's just like video footage of, you know, like interstitial, like, like you know, tennis courts when they're covered. <laughs> like I don't think there is. Of, like, I, I think feel- we could make this happen. It could be like, um, it could be, you know, one of our um, offshoots of the Tennis Tragic podcast. Yeah, part of the Tennis Tragic like content machine. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Um, well you know they did last year or maybe this year as well on i think it was the sbs um they did those slow what do they call it slow i think they just called it slow tv and yeah there's a couple of different variations of it one of them was what's the train that goes up the middle of australia the The indian pacific the indian pacific yeah yeah there's the gun that goes north to south yeah i think i think it was that one um, and that was just the full, it was like 12 hours or something of just the camera on the front of the train going through, just going down the track. And it was just really hypnotic and it would be, it would fall into that category. Slow TV, we can, 
can put in the sports oh, yeah. version. Yes. I love that stuff. I went to an uh, Ai Weiwei exhibit here in Melbourne oh, yeah. a few years ago, and, and there was this um, one of the pieces from his collection was this video footage that he took of Beijing, like, like I don't know, from the, the front of like an ox cart or something mm. or like a, a bicycle, like just going through the streets like for, you know, something like 36 hours. You know, it was just this never-ending um, display. And I, I really, I, I have tried on multiple occasions to hunt this down because, um, yeah, I also found it super arresting. I feel like I would just, if I could, I would just like put it up on a wall in my house yeah, that's a perfect situation for it, I think. Yeah, it's good. You can. Um, I, vi- video art is starting to be more accessible like that, um, that you can purchase artist work for like um, for a sum of money from galleries. Mm. Yeah, right. Yeah. I don't know if I have enough to buy a w- an Yeah, Yeah, if that's for sale, point. it's probably a bit more than your average video yeah. art. Or Maybe one of the ones where he's like flipping off, you know, some – government some like chinese government tank or something (laughs) might be able to get one of those um anyway uh yeah we should look into this uh this video footage thing i i've taken uh, lots of stills i can share them with you Mm, yeah uh, we should definitely put that on our instagram so we did uh to our 30 loyal listeners if you're still with us (laughs) Um, yeah, we did, <laughs> we're down to we 20 did now, start, we started, yeah, I know. Well, <laughs> people are in it for the broad spectrum of our interests. You know, it's not all about tennis, you guys, but, but we, we did start, start an Instagram account. account. We have not publicized it yet. We're going to need to, you know, yeah, get that content machine cranking pretty soon. Yeah. So, uh, well, so I love those, uh, well, Last you know year what, at the Australian David, Open, I, I did yeah. um, recently do a little project with a, fo- a photographer, a friend of mine, and she uh, took photos of me dressed up in women's um, tennis outfits. Oh, nice! Let's get some of those up there. <laughs> well, you know, I will have to we'll have to talk to the artist, but um, perhaps oh, okay. There might be like a licensing issue. Well, it's this. They're um, they're special images. They sound, okay. like they sound like it. it. Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, we'll have a look. We'll pass them around, see see what we think. Okay. Okay, I'll, I'll, right. I'll show them to you guys first, and we'll just, we'll just talk about them. <laughs> yeah, I want to see them. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't, we don't necessarily have to share every idea that comes to our, our minds and every image that we collect over time, but... <laughs> But we probably will, so follow us we on that bloody will. thing. <laughs> <laughs> Empty courts, um, cross-dressing fashion shoots, and more <laughs> on our yeah. Instagram. State. Mash that subscribe button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, it really... I realize we've been recording for a little over half an hour and we've covered a lot. I don't know how much tennis we have. We've covered a lot. I feel good about the, uh, what we've talked about. I feel like this was a good conversation, but, uh, tennis, you guys, yeah. what's going on with tennis? Labor cup. I just wanted to mention labor cup. Um, Thomas Enquist is looking very young. He, he was there yeah, for team Europe and I, I was like, is that Roberto Bautista Agu? That's what I thought too. Because he's the alternate for the Team Europe. But, but also with blonde <laughs> right. hair. Did he go blonde? <laughs> and, but no, he's still got dark hair. This was Thomas Enquist, who's long retired. He was looking very good. He looks so young and chiseled. I thought, yeah, I mean, I thought he was looking a little gray, but that's the thing. When I first saw him, I was like, boy, what happened to Roberto Batista Agut? <laughs> or like maybe because he, because he's not playing, like, you know, he's just like kind of let loose. Um, but no, it was not. It was not Roberto. Yeah, it was former player uh, Thomas Enquist, who um, I guess was assistant coaching, but he got to wear the whole uniform. What about Paul Nicholas Massu? He, he was also assistant coaching for Team Europe, and he just didn't get to wear the blue tracksuit and he seemed to be sitting in the crowd the whole time. Huh. Mm. 
And he was there for the 100%. champagne at the end and stuff. So definitely saw photos of, of him there. Mm. Angfist was kind of a, like before my time, or at least like in the period of time where I wasn't watching. I guess he was an Australian Open finalist. Yeah. He, he was 90s, maybe even to early 2000s. Yeah, he's only 45 years old. So, yeah, he's, you know, as far as from my perspective, a very young man. <laughs> very young. Yeah, yeah, definitely young. Definitely. <laughs> a young, sprightly man. <laughs> I've got at least three good years left if I take care of my body. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, you're going great. You're doing all these long <laughs> runs and stuff, aren't you? Oh, yeah. You're in the shape of your life, David. <laughs> my, my, uh, my 10K is in less than three weeks. Oh, that's right. Uh, Whoa. Yeah. yeah. So the training has, has, uh, has reached, I think, its, its peak. Uh, at this point, it's sort of I'm like more on a maintenance path. Like I have to just not, not get, get hurt, hurt and, you, you know, keep, keep up, up the activity, activity but uh, I'm not pushing it quite as hard as I was. Tapering off, I believe they call it. Mm. Yeah, my, my AI coach uh, doesn't really tell me these things. He just kind of chastises me for not completing the training exactly as he wants me to. <laughs> yeah, the AI. The AI isn't quite that advanced yet. Yeah, he's the AI is very confused. Like today, I did a run. I just was like on the treadmill at the gym, and uh, I was supposed to do a quote unquote long, easy run of fifteen miles. Uh, Whoa! <laughs> like I was like, yeah, uh, I'm not gonna do that today. So I, I was, but it, it started tracking me. I was on the treadmill, maybe did five miles, and afterwards, uh, quote unquote, Jeff uh, <laughs> said, "Good job." That's all. That's all that Jeff had to say. Like I did not even remotely come close to finishing the training regimen. But it's a good job. Got a little approval Maybe it's anyway. So advanced, and it knew it thought you went for it, but then couldn't do it, and it knew you'd be shattered for only doing five out of the fifteen miles. And it was just a gentle little good job. <laughs> yeah, but the the other day I did like I did eighteen by eight hundred meter speed intervals yeah and i did i was not able to do them all at speed i was like running on these trails here in melbourne that like uh, melbourne has this problem where like we just we our signage is abhorrent like you, you run on a trail and then there's a sign that says like trail continues this way and then you're just like suddenly like running in a ditch <laughs> um so uh so it was a little tricky to kind of keep my rhythm up but that mm. was it that was a really hard run that was like two hours 15 minutes like you know, really kind of pushing it at times. And then afterwards he was like, mm, room for improvement. <laughs> I was like, you fucking asshole. <laughs> like I just like, I am busting my ass out here. Yeah. You know? That's right. That's a harsh, that's a harsh summary. He, of your run. he just doesn't, he just doesn't care about my feelings. <laughs> that's the problem with AIs. It is the problem. Um, looking, looking all right. Well, the, I'm looking at the Trello. What else have we got here? Um, we talked about a lot of these. Yeah, I mean, have we talked about the U.S. Open finals? We haven't, <laughs> funnily enough, because the last yeah. pod we did was uh, in in the middle of the U.S. Open. That's right. Yeah, we yeah, talked we a little bit about um, about Bianca winning, and how disappointed we are that she's not she's not out there just grinding away in the Asian swing. Um, and yeah, Rafa won again. Rafa's at 19, 19 grand slams. Yeah. That's a pretty exciting part of the whole thing. Isn't it? Him catching up, making it just one, one. I mean, below. he's pretty close to reclaiming the number one ranking as well. No. Yeah, yeah, it seems actually likely that he's going to have number one this year. I think, I guess it depends on what happens with the masters events, but, but, um, he's number one in the race. And Novak's injuries, and, uh, like what happens with Novak's injuries? Like, is he still injured? Yeah, I don't know. I haven't investigated. Um, I guess, you know, like these guys, the top men, you know, you, you tend to just see, they just disappear at the end of the year and maybe they show up for Shanghai and maybe for the Paris indoors, but usually not. Like, I feel like the Paris indoors, like, is like the, the asterisk event of the Masters series. Yeah, it does like they feel just like that. don't, you know. It was like Jack Sock won it two years ago. I mean, come on. 
<laughs> did he really? <laughs> like, wow. Well, he, he also did. made yeah, the tour finals that year. Right. It was crazy. He snuck into the tour finals, like based on that one Masters uh, 1000 win. He beat, um, who was it in the final? Uh, nobody very good. Um, but he was top 10 Serbian that year. Guy. So he kind of, he kind of do, you can't just do that on one Masters 1000 victory. You got to have some other good tournaments too, some consistency. Yeah. He had a, I remember that year, he had a really strong start to the year. Like he, I think he, I don't know, either won in Auckland or was in the final. Like he, he, I think he had a little bit of a run at the Aussie. I mean, he was a, a really good singles player. There was a, he uh, was a time not that long ago. And he was also really good on clay, which is unusual for, uh, for American? Americans because yeah, Americans are, are like really like, you know, they don't like to get dirty. Um, just, uh, speaking for my entire nation. Um, and uh, of country club tennis athletes. Uh, but yeah, Jack Sock is really good on dirt. And the thing about Jack Sock's game is that he has, he has like the second most ridiculous forehand, like uh, topspin forehand on tour, like next to Rafa. Like statistically, the, the RPMs on his forehand are just, huh. you know, it's just astronomical. And he has a similar, you know, a similar motion, just righty, you know, like really whipping on top of the ball. And, um, but yeah, I don't know what happened to him. He just—he's two hundred and eight in the world at the moment, Jack Sock. Two hundred and eight, but he's been as high as number eight. <laughs> yeah, wow. and not that long ago, it was just two years. Like basically, the year after he won that Masters event, went to the Tour Finals. I think he even made the cut at the Tour Finals. I'm not sure about that, um, but he made the Tour Finals, and then the next year, it was like he won a half dozen singles matches or something. Like huh. he couldn't. He couldn't buy a win, and then yeah, and, you know, if you if you don't win at all, like but that year he did win a, to plummet. But the thing was that year he still went really well in doubles because he he played with with um, Mike Bryan and won. That's right. Uh, yeah, true. And won, he was the substitute Bryan. He was the substitute Bryan, and he's he's that's why he was an interesting choice, but I think a good choice for the world team um, in the Labor Cup because although his uh, singles form had been down. He's still a great doubles player, and he played really well in singles in the right. Labor Cup. Out of yeah, nowhere, yeah. Who did he beat in singles? He beat Fanini. Yeah, that's right. Which, yeah. like, really, Fanini definitely not the strongest choice for a team event. Just seems like he showed up and was like, "I'm going to pose for some pictures," and then he was nothing. wearing his Armani rather than wearing <laughs> the Team Europe jacket. He was like, "I'm not really Team really? Europe. I'm Team Armani." <laughs> he yeah. was mostly um, wearing all the other players were wearing their blue and he was like fluoro armani which is terrible by the way that, yeah it is yeah, yeah the armani exchange stuff is just yeah we're we're in total agreement on but that. it's not even armani exchange um, it's like emporio right? it's important uh, okay yeah which is the best armani yeah. giorgio giorgio what do you reckon I actually didn't know there were more Armani. <laughs> <How many? laughs> there's there's Emporio Armani, there's Giorgio Armani, there's Armani Exchange, which is like the urban, but not as good kind of right. the lower the oh, lower price. Yeah, see, Armani. I I didn't know this either. I just thought they were all the same thing, and all they're like garish and terrible. They're not. Yeah, they're not all the same. Well, you learn something new every day on the tennis tragic. A <laughs> <laughs> good good segue to um to to, to nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to absolutely nothing. Um but right, so Jack Sock beat Fabio Fanini, he won a singles match. Maybe he's on the comeback trail. And he did uh with John Isner managed to win that doubles match against Federer and Tsitsipas, yeah. which was supposed to be Federer. It was supposed to be Fadal. Yeah, yeah. That's right. um, which everyone likes to uh, see in the Labor Cup. I feel like that's one of the big attractions. You get to see Federer and Nadal play doubles together. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. but I was just enjoying Rafa being the coach and like coaching. Like Roger would go sit down and he'd be like sitting there sweaty with with Stefanos, and then Rafa would come over. Like Rafa was super engaged. And I really like that and respect that about him, even though I am far from being a Rafa fan, as you know. Like, yeah, uh, yeah it was just cool to see him like give a shit about this sort of meaningless um, exhibition tournament. I mean, I guess they're playing for a little bit of money, but those top guys. 
I think they. I think it's, for them, it's like it, it is a social thing as well. Like uh, I was reading about why Novak Djokovic wasn't invited. Um, it, there's different theories because like, everybody hates him. Um, there's that. There's that theory that he doesn't get along. <laughs> like that Federer and Nadal, who are the two main team members, li- like each other and they get on with Zverev and team and the others. But they, yeah, they don't like Novak as much. Um, and then there was Poor like Novak. a there was a mid year dinner that they all got together, and he and uh, Novak wasn't invited to that huh. dinner. And so maybe Damn. Novak chose not to play because he just didn't want to. Um, he didn't feel he was a part of it, or maybe they didn't even invite him. Yeah, um, I feel like it's not like who's the best ranked player. It's like who who Roger gets on the best with yeah it's a bit of a club it's yeah. like a special club and same with McEnroe like McEnroe is choosing his American guys and totally. some, some Australian guys that um uh, you know I think there's this weird thing sometimes where um Australians and Yanks they get on together you know <laughs> yeah yep. we've got all we've, yeah definitely <laughs> I don't know I mean I I don't know where you got that impression from but it sounds true. I don't know. You look at our president um, or our um, our prime minister Scott Morrison over with um, Donald Trump having a state dinner and doing the rounds on this diplomatic visit. They just love each other. And then like um, Scott Morrison's like, you know what, Donald? I'm going to give you 150 million for NASA for your Mars for your <laughs> Mars mission. Oh, and wow, really? everyone just over here is cringing and going like, meanwhile, we're striking for climate change, and which was, which was great, by the way. There was 100,000 people in Sydney. Oh, yeah. And it was awesome. Yeah, but do, you, but do you guys have a space force? <laughs> space force. You know, yeah, I think it's like, it goes to that. It's like the military thing. and the, the, Yeah, they, they, they have some kind of appreciation. I think there's a bit of a link between sports and boys and the military and yeah and it just and it's like sort of obnoxious that they're called team worlds when it really really feels like it's like team usa and usa's buddies yeah yeah it does um that's why they should have had nishikori representing asia and diego schwartzman representing in lieu of del potro but um diego schwartzman's up to like 14 in the world or something at the moment he would have been yeah Yeah, well those are those are the only two non-european men in the top 15 uh uh, at the at the moment in the atp so they were both missing so it was you know does kind of seem like a one-sided event i also think like maybe the labor cup scoring system is a little too clever for its own good like it kind of makes the first two days of matches almost irrelevant um (laughs) Yeah, you know, like I they, forgot they about increase that. the then, value. Yeah, and then the second day, someone, uh, one of the one of the world players, won their match. I can't remember who now. And then they're like, "All right, we leveled now." And I forgot that it's just two points on the second day, and then three points on the third day. It's kind of weirdly weighted, isn't it? That was John Isner yeah, getting I, over team. That's right. Yeah. 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 It's it's like. Um, they basically set it up so that the the final day is always like potentially really meaningful. Like I think uh, Europe only needed to win two matches to clinch on the final day, and uh, Team World would have needed three. So it, it right. kind of just makes it so that there's always they're always playing for something right there at the end, or that there, a comeback is always possible. It just doesn't feel like the the teams could possibly be um, balanced when you know like all of the top players in the world are European pretty much. Um, and the greatest players, the two greatest players of all time, uh, next to Novak Djokovic, um, are on one team. Like it kind of feels to me like it might be more fun if they just split Roger and Rafa up and just had the whole thing be a proxy battle for like Roger and Rafa's, uh, yeah, they should be team captains and they should have like a draft, you know, they like, they pull the 20 best players they can get into the tournament and then Roger, they make like a ceremony out of the two of them drafting their, their favorite players. Yeah. I like yeah. that whole thing. Yeah. I think good. that'd be a great thing to watch. Um, Medvedev though, 
would be Team World, wouldn't he? I don't think Russia's part of Europe. Uh, that was something I was wondering about because I don't, I don't know if there have been any Russians involved uh, and, ever. And or, uh, Definitely not this year. Number nine in the world. And yeah, then, and, you know, Rublev's coming up strong. But right now, yeah, Achinov and, uh, and Medvedev alone could potentially tip the scales. So I kind of like the idea that, like, you know, you get the, the U.S.-Russia collusion uh, team. <laughs> and uh, so it's just like the, you know, it's the axis of collusion. And they, <laughs> they, they you know, they get the rest of the world um, and they go up against Europe. I just think the whole Europe versus the world thing is really strange. It just feels arbitrary. It doesn't feel like something I get attached to, you know, like yeah. I can get into dumb, like I'll root for America because why not? Like I can get into that kind of parochial like, you know, national, like pseudo nationalist thing sometimes just when I'm trying to pick a team, but yeah. I just don't give a shit who wins if it's Europe or world really. Um, I'm really just rooting for the players, you know? Yeah. Fair enough. They should, maybe they could do it on, um, I like the players could decide whether they are conservative or progressive. <laughs> mm. It would. It might shake out like the, exactly the same way. Uh, a lot of the a lot of the American players are total Republicans. It's really disappointing. Are they? But because I know yeah, a few are. Uh, John John Isner is. Yeah. John Isner is. Jack Sock. The less said about his intellect, the better. But oh no! Um, <laughs> oh, no. Uh, Richard Gasquet. I think he follows Macron on Instagram. Oh yeah. Oh, okay. Who's a huge like capitalist economic um, economic conservative? Like, neo, neo he, oh, did not Emmanuel he's a Macron. Neoliberal. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's, a he's like a center left guy. Yeah, he. Right. I don't. Wouldn't call yeah. him center left. I just call him. I mean, yeah, he's not. Yeah, neoliberal. Right, but I mean, economics. if the, if, it, if the choice was Macron or um, Marine Le Pen. Oh yeah, but Marie Le Pen is you know, extreme. Right? You vote. You vote, you vote for, for Bernie, Bernie Sanders every time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes you get two candidates, and you can't go for either of them. You just got to say um, revolution. Ah, or um, now we're talking, Matt. Yeah, or build build it up from the grassroots. Like neither of them represent the people. The French the French election was a strange one. Mm. Do they have a? Do they also have like a parliamentary indirect electoral process for for picking their supreme leader? Like, do they do, are people <laughs> voting just for their local district, or how does it work there? Do you guys know? I don't know. I don't know, but they do have like a runoff where like they have like they start off with a bunch of people and then people get knocked out. There were three. Mm, they were down right. to three, and then so you end up. Um, if your leader gets knocked out, then you have to decide which one you're going to vote for, like the lesser of two evils. Right. You start to have these coalition type situations emerge. And I, yeah, I, I don't really know what I'm talking about, but I feel like Marine Le Pen, like kind of, there was sort of this feeling that the far right nationalist types were like, they snuck in somehow, mm. you know, they like, they got through those early rounds and then it was like, Oh fuck. Well now if all the like regular Republicans vote for, you know, for this crazy nutter on the right, you know, we could have an actual situation. Yeah. But, and that's why they had to get you know, behind Macron who was just right. gonna um, privatize everything and be like an economic rationalist. And mm. Yeah. Yeah. Good times. times. So, so did, did you, you uh, did you participate in the uh, climate strike the other day? Yeah, you guys? I did. Um, I had the day off anyway, because the thing is, it's not a, it wasn't actually a strike for most people. Like, school students struck because they could, you know, like, they, they could just, not, you know, if they got permission from their parents or whatever, they, they could just not turn up. Or so what? You get to, you might get detention for cutting school. I don't think they, anyone really did get detention anyway. But for workers, it was hard because we don't actually have the right to strike for political strikes. Mm. Um, so yeah, a lot of people had to go to work or had had to find creative ways to get off. 
yeah, like take a sick yeah, day. Yeah, work? Yeah, it was, uh, I really didn't, I just kind of have my head up my own ass these days and haven't really been paying attention, but I, you know, so I, I didn't know that that was going on until the day of, and I saw people talking about it on social media. Um, you know, some friend, a friend of mine here who runs like a small game studio, he like told all his employees to take the day off, you know, like made a statement out of it. Great. Um, but yeah, I think it's awesome. I think it's, it's good to participate in that way, but you know, at the end of the day, like I'm like, I just feel so hopeless about the whole situation. You know, it, it's going to require a little bit more and I don't know how we get there. Um, Probably not going to solve it in the tennis world either. <laughs> yeah. No, I think it was great though, like having that many people out talking, at least talking about like, you know, and and feeling that power because you're you, that, that many people together talking about like what you can do and yelling loudly and, um, you know, like, you know, we could be more organized next time. And actually turn it into a real strike if all you know if the hundred thousand mm. people were actually seriously disrupting their um, workplaces by taking the day off, that would cause quite a crisis for our government here. And given that it's happening all over the world as well, it wasn't just Australia. Right. It's going to force. I mean, yeah, organized action like that can force leaders to do stuff. I don't know what to say. I mean, it's just. Yes, there, there are ways that organized action can, can affect change. Um, I just feel like the, the scale of, of the change that is necessary to actually, you know, put a stop to the warming that we're experiencing based on consensus scientific evidence is so great, you know, that it, it not only requires massive political change, but it also will require, you know, like our, our civilization to kind of rethink how we do certain things like how we you know how we use energy sure and, uh, but the technology is there for us to pretty much have like for most people to have a good lifestyle um and you know we can get all the energy we need from the sun and the winds and the waves if only our governments would spend billions of dollars in investing in this technology and phase out all the other stuff and then it, that that technology could be owned by the people, could create heaps of new jobs for people. Um, we could see a radical shift in the type of system we have instead of a capitalist system. It could be a cooperative system where mm. where we make all this stuff, like uh, the way we produce energy and, and all our infrastructure and stuff could be built around people's needs rather than the needs of profit for corporations. Mm. It could be the starting point for actually like really radically doing things in a different way that that benefits the majority of people, not the small minority. I'm up. To, I guess Damn, I'm I optimistic about it. I was just gonna say I, I didn't realize you were an optimist, Matt. But uh, sometimes, it, <laughs> sometimes I spend yeah. a lot of time depressed in bed as well. But but then you know, it's, I think it's, it's definitely possible. Mm, I do like All that right. hope. It's nice. nice. It's good. And otherwise, yeah, everyone's no, just going to die. If we don't do it anyway, like the planet's going to die. So what choice do we have but to at least try? Yeah, I think so many people are just so committed to like holding on to their worldview that they're not, they're not, they don't allow evidence to come in that will change their perspective. There's only a small so, minority who's interested it's in to hold on to those that view. Yeah, that's true. Well, but they've they've convinced like, you know, significant chunks of, you know, populations like in the US. I mean, the fact that an entire political party and basically half of the voting population believes that, you know, is skeptical about climate change at this point is wow. You know, pretty pretty disturbing. But I think that the U.S. might actually like the the American Republican Party might be like the most in denial. <laughs> like I think even even right wing parties in other parts of the world seem to like have at least accept the kind of scientific community's assessment of what's going on. Um, I mean, you know, like witness the U.S. pulling out of the the Paris Climate Accord. I mean, 
you know, it seems like everybody else is sitting around being like, well, this is kind of maybe the absolute least we could do. (laughs) And, you know, but then we have Trump Republicans who are, don't seem very interested in objective reality. So. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, Trump's not that popular. Like a lot of people stayed home because they weren't inspired by Clinton. That's why they, you know, that's why Trump won, I think, out of a bit of apathy Mm. and him being the only one saying anything different from business as usual with like an exciting movement from below like we're seeing with the climate strikes people's ideas can change we can break down some of these ideas yeah we'll see i mean i think there's uh, you know as far as the american voting public goes voter turnout is always a problem we don't have mandatory voting and the electoral college is like basically of its many faults, one of them is that it kind of it depresses voter turnout because a lot of people live in states where they feel like their vote has no impact because it's already been decided what you know what political party is uh, is going to turn out uh, yeah, for the uh, for the course. presidential candidate. So you know you live in you live in a place like Texas. Uh, it's actually starting to move a little bit in Texas, but we still have not elected a Democratic governor or senator. Uh, to the federal government or, uh, you know, or an, or a presidential major party candidate we've never, we haven't gone for a Democrat in quite a while. Mm. I think it's like a generation going back to Ann Richards winning the governorship. So, um, you know, so a lot of the time it just, you know, it just like adds to that feeling of hopelessness. I mean, you know, ultimately one vote in a nation of 300 million, you know, it's easy to feel powerless, but it is. Uh, That's why socialists reckon that power isn't at the ballot box. It's like hmm. the day-to-day, the street movements. That's where you, you get organized with your workmates, your colleagues, your Black Lives Matter, um, Black Lives Matter um, group members or your you know low-paid teacher colleagues and you get on the streets. Um, you can really change society like you don't have to wait for the next election you can start m- mm. making like changing people's minds and changing the world a, a little bit um very immediately mm. yeah yeah i like that i mean really like the exchange of ideas has to happen in order if like you know in order for the the politics to move in order for the like for the the results at the ballot box to actually change. Like you have to have people talking to one another about ideas and, you know, kind of breaking through the noise. I, I, you know, I feel like in the U S people are kind of, everybody's like so entrenched in their positions, but I think it's just because of the, you know, the media they consume is like constantly reinforcing them and like reinforcing this us versus them kind of perspective. And, uh, but you know, but human beings are malleable, you know, like people don't necessarily always maintain the same political perspective over the course of their, their lives. Like there is space for new ideas. So yeah. Um, getting out there, organizing, working with other people who are passionate about political ideas is, uh, is important. And I sure as shit, I'm not doing any of that (laughs) right now. It's okay. So. Life's hard as well. We all got to work and stuff. It's like, it's tough. Yeah. Uh, on it's ideas true. changing, like I wasn't, I was more of a Rafa and Roger fan and then Alex helped to change my ideas about Novak. <laughs> now I appreciate yeah. Djokovic, well, uh, who I think really nice, comes off nice incidentally segue. as the more left-wing player out of the three of them. He does. Yeah. Not that there's a lot to go on there, like explicit stuff, but I just get that impression. Yeah. Well, he's a vegan. <laughs> oh, man, the vegans at the climate rally were so annoying. They were so... <laughs> Everyone else is talking about the big issues and they're just like, go vegan, go vegan. <laughs> this is why you can't bring Novak to your, like, your labor cup, you know? It's just like you bring him to the the honorary gala dinner and he's like... He's vegan. He's gluten free. It's just a pain in the ass for everybody, you know. The other players like are trying to have a nice potluck, and you always got to think about Novak and what Novak wants. 
<laughs> but I, look, <laughs> I will say that I think you're kind of onto something. I mean, this is one of the reasons that I get passionate about sports because I think it is, it's a way for us to kind of examine, you know, like life and our ideas and our opinions, like our, our feelings can be malleable, you know, like you can get attached to something like it, like it matters. And over time, you, you know, you get to, you get to see like, Oh, maybe, maybe this person who I was rooting against because I had some preconceived notion of who they were or what they represented, suddenly that changed for whatever reason. And if it can happen, you know, in something that's kind of a little bit frivolous or, you know, not, not so important, then maybe that can also happen in the, you know, in the broader sense, if you open your mind to new ideas. That's a good point. I like that perspective. Yeah. Yeah, me too. All right. Well, maybe we should, uh, wrap things up on this, this note of, uh, optimism, you know, let us go out into the world and, um, do you, do you have an outro musical number that you want to perform for us, Matt? I was just thinking about, like, because I was brought up Catholic, and the Catholic priest used to say at the end of the end of the Mass, let us go to love and serve the Lord. <laughs> <laughs> let us go now and to love and serve the Lord. Peace be with you. Love and serve. We got some tennis words in there. <laughs> oh yeah, we do. We done something here. Everywhere you look, uh, we should get the Barry and... White of tennis to do it. Um, <laughs> who, who the who's who's Barry? the Barry White of tennis? Kadir <laughs> Nooney. Kadir Nooney is um. Oh yes, is one of the right. top umpires, and oh, he has a right. very deep voice. That's right. Very he deep voice. Replay the point. <laughs> Advantage. Advantage, Williams. <laughs> uh, Let's go to love and serve the Lord. <laughs> <laughs>